Good morning. Glad we're here this morning on this nice, bright, foggy morning. It's uh, uh, been an interesting weather here recently, but I'm excited we're all here. And so uh, those of you who may be joining with us first time this morning, thank you so much for being here on behalf of myself, our, our pastor, everyone that's here on staff. Just thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being in this place. And I hope and pray that you're filled already. I know I am. I'm so thankful and grateful for our our musicians, our singers, our, our, our sound techs, all these people, and uh, I don't think we give them enough thanks. And so this morning, let's go ahead and, and, and give them thanks because they just prepare our, our hearts to worship, and we get to pour out our praise through um, just time that they, 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 they've invested each week to prepare for, for this moment. And I'm so thankful and grateful for them. And I also want to challenge us, if you were here last week, we, we uh, put forth this new theme for this year, and, and that's to press towards the goal. And uh, that's not just something we do for a week or for a day or for a few days or for a few months. This should be all year, us just pressing towards that upward calling, that high calling, that goal that Jesus Christ has set before us. And, and one day we're going to be in his presence. And so no matter what we face in this life, in this world, uh, we just need to keep pressing, keep running this race, looking under that author and finisher of our faith. Uh, and so I challenge you with that, with that, uh, that theme for this year. I'm not going to talk about that this morning, but that's what I challenge you with. And so now we'll talk about it a little bit. But by way of introduction, uh, I want to repeat, uh, maybe expound upon some words that uh, I heard this past week at a conference. And uh, as this man uttered these words, it just hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. And it was so simple, yet so impactful for me in that moment as I sat there in that chair and listened to this preacher preach. And it was just three words. I love people. And as he said those words, I started thinking about it and, and thinking about those times in my life where, where maybe I didn't have a love for people like I should have had. And, and I even started taking the self-evaluation of, of why I didn't have a, a love for people like I should have. And, 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 then, and then I started thinking about the people that I love. And, and I was kind of overwhelmed with emotion as I, I sat there and I, I thought about my wife and thought about my children. I, I thought about my pastor who was sitting next to me at that conference. I, I thought about, uh, again, those people that I mentioned just a moment that, that serve, a moment ago, that serve in our church and, and those that are serving over there helping our, our children and, 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 and just our church here, this body that God's blessed us with and just this, this love for people. And, 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 and I even love our, our missionaries, at least most of them. There was another one that's here that's at our conference with us named Jaron Rogers that I'm not sure if I love that guy. No, I'm just kidding. But he's not even here yet. He can't even defend himself. Well, we were walking through Walmart, and all of a sudden, I, I split off for them. Oh, here's Jeffrey at the top of his lungs, screaming in Walmart. And I'm like, I don't know if I love that guy. But as I was doing this evaluation and thinking about loving people and, and even loving people that, that don't love me back, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't hold it. I'm like, man, I really do love people. 
And so this morning, I want to challenge us to to truly love people and then think about where that love comes from. And as I thought about it, I I thought, man, this love for people comes from the fact that God so loved me, that that, that God loved me so much that he sent his son to die for me. And I I thought back from uh, before I was saved, and I was like, I didn't love people like I love people now. But but now, because I've experienced the love of God, I love people like I've never loved them before. I'm so in love with the idea or this knowledge that I am a child of God. That song that we just sang was perfect this morning. I didn't know they were singing. And I am so in love with the idea or the knowledge that I am a child of God, that that God would send his son to die for me, to live that perfect sinless life, to to, to shed his blood, to die on that cross for me is just an overwhelming idea, a humbling idea, an amazing knowledge that God would so love me and call me his son and redeem me from my sin is just... It's beyond what I can explain. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, it says this, Blessed be the God of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again, to have this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are healing, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in that last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have to be grieved by various trials, so that the testing and uh, so, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold, that perish through the fire that is, that is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. You've not seen him, we love him. And because of this love for God, because of this love for his truth, we have this overwhelming love for people. It says, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and, and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith and the salvation of your souls. Oh man, what an inexpressible joy. What an inexpressible love that we should have, that we should be pouring out on people. There's a byproduct that comes from this type of love. Unfortunately, maybe we don't want this byproduct. Maybe we don't want to experience this thing that comes from loving people, just having this inexpressible love for people, this inexpressible love for God, this inexpressible love for the truth. There's a byproduct that comes, and that's this. The love of God will put you at odds or against the world. The love of God, the love of people, the the love of his truth will put you at odds or against the world. The truth is, is that Jesus faced it. Paul, Peter, James, John, Stephen, the other apostles, these others who live by faith, and these that have come uh, come before us in generations leading up to this moment, they face this, this thing, this love that puts them at odds against the world. In John chapter 15 and verse 18, Jesus said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. 
If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the world that I said to you, a servant is not greater. The word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep, if you, if they keep my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they do, or they will do to your account of my name, because you do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have not been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse. This is why the world is at odds against us. This is why the world was at odds against Jesus. This is why the world was at odds uh, against uh, uh, Peter, James, John, Paul, all these apostles and all these who have gone before us who have stood up for the truth and stood up for love of Jesus Christ because now they are without excuse. We, we proclaim this truth to them and all of a sudden they hate us. All of a sudden they're against us. All of a sudden they're, 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 they, they want nothing to do with us because they have no excuse for their sin. Verse 23, whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. Listen, if we're not going to stand up for the truth, who's going to do it? If we're not going to stand up and, and, and point out these sins and make it known that there's this, this gospel that they need to hear and, and, and in order to, to accept Jesus Christ and, and they, they must repent of their sins and turn to him, fully committed to him, who's going to do it? And, and then they're no, they're, they are going to hate us. Many of them are going to hate us because they are now guilty of this sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the, world, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Again, the love of God, the love of people, the love of his truth will put us at odds against the world, against, against these people that we speak the truth to. It's a long introduction. Someone said that this week also. Don't you love it when preachers preach for like 30 minutes and they're like, all right, now let's get into the message. But I want to pray and get into this. Dearly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. God, I, I love that name. God, we love you. God, we love the fact that you've redeemed us and poured out your blood as a sacrificial atonement for our sins. Now, the fact that you, 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 you chose to, 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 to make it happen that way still boggles my mind, but, but God, I'm in love with it. I'm in love with the fact that, 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 that I am a son of God. God, I love people. God, I love people that hate me. God, I love, I love people here that love me. God, I, I, love, I love the fact that you've given me this love to, to share with a lost and dying world, and, and, and I have opportunity to do it each and every day. And God, I pray that you would continue to help me, our church, us here, to be this beacon of light in our community and in the world. God, just bless now as we get into this. And 
As I pray almost every time I preach, God, help me to preach like this is the last time I'm ever going to preach. God, help me to proclaim your truth with all boldness and faithfulness and with grace and with mercy and, and, and just guide my words here this morning. God, I thank you for this opportunity to proclaim your word once again. God, just bless now as we open this up, as we continue to hear from your truth. And God, that you would just bless again in a mighty way. We love you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's message is title. Even the title of the message might be a little controversial. It's a, it's a word that we've been hearing for the past few weeks thrown around by many people. And, and, and the truth is I'm almost kind of tired of this word and tired of hearing it. And the, and the title of today's message is simple. One word, insurrection insurrection and some of you are like oh man here we go with this word again we've heard about people causing insurrection and and, and insurrection being ensued and things happening in our world and and, and the truth is uh, this leads me to a question what in the world is insurrection or better yet who are these insurrectionists and and, and the truth is that, that that insurrection is just an, an act of of rebellion a, rebe a rebellion against those that are in authority or, or even sometimes specifically a rebellion uh, uh, against those that are in civil authority or an established government. And as I began thinking about this word and hearing this word over and over again, I thought I, I couldn't help but think about the, the story that we've been reading here in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, we, 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 we're going to pick up in verse 33, but it, it, it says in verse 33, when they heard this, they were furious and they plotted to kill them. And as I, I thought about this verse, I thought, man, these, these guys are insurrectionists. Peter and, and, and the other apostles, they're insurrectionists. They're rebelling. They're revolting. They're going against what the civil authority of their day was deemed as right and true. And therefore, they were imprisoned, as we read last week. They were cast into prison because they were preaching truth. They were cast into prison because they loved God and they loved people. They were cast into prison because they, they shared that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And then I started thinking, I want that. I want to be thrown into prison. I was talking to someone the other day, and I was like, man, I can't wait till we start suffering some true persecution. They're like, oh, I don't want that. I'm like, no, I want that. I want to experience that. I want, I want true persecution to come in my life because I love Jesus, because I love God, and I love people. These men, when they heard this, these religious leaders, verse 33, when they heard this, they were furious. Remember the story that Jaron preached last week, He's, he, the, the, the story that he read to us that these men, they, they, were, they were in prison because they preached the truth. They were commanded not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. And, and then the angel came and, and a miraculous jail escape. And they, the next day, they're preaching again, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, sharing the same truth that they were just commanded not to preach. They stood there, these religious leaders were meeting and gathering together, and someone came to them and said, hey, they're out. They're not in jail anymore. And they're preaching in Jesus' name. I want that. I want that to be the testimony of our church. Hey, those people from Trinity, Trinity they're out preaching the truth again. 
They're out calling sin, sin. They're out, they're out proclaiming truth to everyone in our community. Listen, I, I, I heard this story recently, and I've shared it to my group. I shared it with the youth, but I'm going to share it here this morning because I believe it's worthy of repeating. And, and it came from our, our brother, James Dawson, who's out at West Coast Baptist College right now studying for whatever it is the Lord's leading him to. And he came home and he gave me this testimony. He works at a fast food restaurant, and, and, and as, he, as he works at that fast food restaurant, he said every single day, he said, I can't think of a day I've worked there that someone didn't come through my drive-thru and, and reach into their wallet or to their back pocket and, and pull out a, a, a track from their church. And he, and he said every single day, someone from their church hands him an invite card, not knowing that he goes to the same church they go to. And I thought, man, what? A testimony what what an amazing testimony he said he couldn't remember he, he, he will never forget the first day he was working there and this little old man he goes it was one of those old guys that that probably shouldn't be driving like when you see him you're like terrified for him as they're walking across the parking lot getting into their car you're like uh, I don't know about this and you're moving your vehicle out of the way and one of those guys and he, he said the guy had ordered at the window. He could barely understand. had a real shaky voice. And he said this, this, this old man pulls up to the window and he grabs this, this invite card to, to their church. And he said just shaking. I mean just literally physically shaking. Hands him this car. Doesn't say a word. Just hands him an invite card. Because he loves God, and he loves people, and he loves his church, and he loves the truth. He wanted this young man to have it. He didn't have any words to say other than to, to simply grab a card and hand it to him, shaking. And, and if you know James, James grabs it. He said he just starts bawling, just starts crying. Like, this old man loves me enough to give me a card and invite me to church. I want that to be the testimony of our church. And it does happen sometimes. Sometimes I go and I give these to someone. They're like, oh, man, I just got one of these earlier this week. But man, wouldn't it be amazing if in our community, our surrounding area, everywhere we went, they're like, I just got one of these earlier today. You know you walk into Saginaw Walmart and you run into like three or four of our church members in there almost every single time. You're like, what's going on? It's the hangout place. I want people when they hear us to be furious at us, to plot to kill us. <laughs> Verse 34, then one in the council stood up, a, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law and held in respect by, by, by all the people. And, and he commanded them to, to put the apostles outside for a little while. So again, the story, they brought them in or were, were telling them not to preach again. And, and, and the, remember what they said? They said, we must obey God rather than men. And, and then they shared Jesus again. And then they pointed their fingers and said, you're the ones that murdered him. You're the ones that hung on that tree. And then this man Gamaliel speaks up and says, hey, set him outside for a little bit. Let's have a chat. 
And he said to the men, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For a time ago, uh, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was slain. And all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. And after this, a man named Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census, and they drew away many people after him. And he also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan is the work of men, it will come to nothing. People for centuries have been preaching the gospel, sharing the truth, and it's still going strong today. And it's still got to go strong out of this church today because it is the truth. It will not come to nothing. God will fulfill his plan. He will keep his word. He, is, he has established it, and he's going to, to, to keep it going, whether we choose to do the work or not. But I implore us to do the work because it's not a work of men. It is a work of God, and it will not come to nothing. It's going to come to great and mighty things in Jesus' name. He says, Gamaliel says in verse 39, but if it's of God, you cannot overthrow it. Listen, empires have risen and fallen. Nations have risen and fallen. Uh, people have risen to power and fallen. People have come to, you know, the top of the, the leaderboard and, and the most money and power and influence in the world, and they're gone. They're passed away. But God's word remains. It is truth. No one can overthrow it. It says, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them some more, hey, let's bring them in here. Let's rough them up. And they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And then listen to verse 41. This is why I want to be persecuted. I mean, just listen to their words here. So they, they departed after these men just beat them from the presence of the council, rejoicing and they, that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Man, I want some persecution. I want someone to punch me in the face for Jesus' name. So I can run away and be like, you're not going to believe what just happened. This dude just punched me in the face. Just rejoicing over it. Be counted worthy to suffer his shame. And I wonder if it's my fault that I've never been punched in the face for Jesus. I'm not bold enough. As I sit up here and proclaim this love for people, do I really not love them enough? Do I really not love God enough that, that someone would come and punch me in the face? Or do whatever. Spit on me, yell at me, scream at me. What if I'm holding something back from God? Am I, not, am I not truly rebelling against this culture and rebelling against these things that the world says are right and, and kind of just fitting in with the world and, and, and going about my life and, and doing the things I'm doing and, and not being rebellious enough for the truth? Because it's never happened to me like it happened to them. I hear about stories of people all around the world. I get emails all the time for Voice of the Martyrs talking about people being beaten and, and killed and stoned and, and, and burned and, and imprisoned. And I just heard a story this last week of a guy down in, I believe, the Dominican Republic or something that, 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 that had been in prison three times in his short lifespan. And I'm like, why, why isn't that happening to me? Is there something wrong with me? Am I not giving enough of myself for God? Am I not loving God enough, loving people enough? To suffer shame for his name. Verse 42, and they were daily back in that temple. 
after they beat them, told them again, don't preach in Jesus' name, but remember what they said, we must obey God rather than men. They're in the temple and in every house, and they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. Point number one this morning is to be bold. Or be a rebel, excuse me. Be a rebel. Some people might not like that word, but I like it. Be a rebel for Jesus. Be a rebel specifically, though, this morning at home. At home. Start at home with your family. Start at home with your wives. Start at home with your children. Start at home with your grandchildren. Be a rebel at home. I mentioned Jaron preaching last week, and he brought up an interesting point. Obedience through disobedience. Obedience through disobedience, and specifically disobedience against the culture and, the, and, the, and, the, and again, even the civil authority that might teach things that are against God's word. Be obedience through disobedience. And verse 33 again, it says, and when they heard this, they were furious and they plotted to kill them. And this morning, I want to take a step through these three points and, and look at Jesus, our ultimate example, what he did. Jesus was a rebel. He was a renegade. He was an outlaw. He was a sanctified troublemaker. But he never sinned. Nah. He lived his life by a different set of rules. The culture didn't approve of Jesus. And they had to bruise him. They had to crucify him. Jesus was a rebel who was counter-cultural. Tony stood up here this morning and, and uttered the words from 1 Peter that we're, we're a peculiar people. And, 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 and Jesus was one of these people. He is our example. He's the one we are to follow after. And he was a rebel who was counter-cultural, so much so that he said, you know what, I'm going to go to my hometown knowing that they're going to reject me. I'm going to go into the synagogue knowing that they're about to refuse me. I'm going in this place and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to preach the truth knowing that I'm about to be hated for it. We have to be that type of countercultural as well. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, and he came to Nazareth, his hometown, where he had been brought up. And it was his custom. And he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. Again, this is, this is his home. This is his hometown. This is a home church. This is what, what his custom was. This is where he grew up. The people knew him here. And he went there knowing he was about to proclaim the truth of God, and he was going to be hated for it. And the Spirit of, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. <clears throat> he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery to the sight of blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Mid-sentence, mid-statement, mid-verse, whatever you want to call it, he shuts the book. Or in this case, rolls up the scroll. And he hands it to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were upon him. Ever had something like that happen to you where you're in a room, and all of a sudden something happens, and some crashes or something happens, all of a sudden the whole room's staring at you, demanding your attention. And Jesus, in this moment, is an opportunity to either back out and back away or to proclaim the truth. 
knowing what's about to come. He proclaims the truth. Verse 21, and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all, and, and, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And he said, is not this, and they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless, you will quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. And when you heard that at Capernaum, do here in the hometown as well. And he said, truly I say unto you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there are many widows in Israel in days of Elijah, and the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah uh, was sent to none but one only named Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were also many lepers in, the, in Israel in the, uh, when the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard this, the synagogue was filled with wrath. Just a moment ago, they felt that his words were precious, were gracious, filled with love, filled with truth. And then when he said, you're the ones that are going to reject me. You're the ones that are going to turn against me. You're the ones that, are, that aren't living for the truth. All that gracious talk, all of that went out the window. And just like those those religious leaders were filled with wrath against the, the apostles in our text. They were filled with anger against them. They're filled with wrath against Jesus because he spoke truth in a loving manner. And they rose up. And they drove him out of the town, his hometown. And they brought him to the brow of the hill which their town was built so that they could throw him down off the cliff. He was a rebel. It was countercultural. So much so that they wanted to toss him off a cliff. While passing through the midst, he went away. You know, through the years, <clears throat> I've been able to minister to people here that, that I'll never forget. And one that I'll never forget is a, is a young man. Well, he's old now, I guess. Uh, older. <clears throat> His name is Alok Patel. And, I, and I, at first I didn't understand why families would send their kids to our Christian school knowing that we didn't believe what they believed. I didn't quite get it, but then Jesus showed up and I got it. Me and Alec, it was the first year I taught here and, and uh, back in 2007, I believe, and, and me and Alec, we, we didn't get along very well. We kind of we butt heads. He was always questioning what I was doing, questioning the word of God, questioning the things of God, and, and, and I thought, man, what's wrong with this kid? Why is he here? Of course, I was just learning. I mean, the first day I started working here was the first day I was in Bible college, Bible Institute. I knew hardly nothing, and, and God was growing me in and maturing me along with, with, with Alec Patel. And I remember one day after school, he came to me, and he said, um, my family doesn't believe what you believe. I said, that's all right. I'm still going to love you and teach you and try to train you the best I could. So we began to talk, and he goes, but, but there's a difference between my family and you guys here at this school, at this church. I said, what is that? He goes, you love people no matter what. 
He goes, I've been going against you this whole school year, and you, you've continued to love me, even though we butt heads, even though we, we had some words, and, and, and I was learning and growing, and he was lo- lo- learning and growing. He goes, you love people different than the way my parents say they love people. Now, I'll never forget that day. This young Hindu boy kneels down on one knee and says, listen, I want what you have. That kid prayed probably one of the, the, the most precious prayers I've ever heard in my life. Accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And then I got it. Because Jesus showed up. And there was a reason that young man came to our school even though his parents, his family didn't believe what I believed. But then he did. And then he began to come to me regularly. We stopped butting heads. All of a sudden, everything changed. And and he he began asking me questions on a daily basis. And he came to me one day and he said, what do I do? I went home and I told my parents that I gave my life to Christ. And they said, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Because, because, because Jesus is just a God and there's, there's, there's thousands of other gods and, and, and we believe in all of those gods and so you didn't just give your life to one God. And so they began forcing him every day to, to go into to long, lengthy prayers to this, to this shrine that they had set up in their home and, and he said, what do I do? And just like Jaron said last week, just like we need to be doing in our culture that's so against us, we need to be obedient, be obedient to God through disobedience of the culture. And at home, even this, this young man, all like I said, listen, obey your parents. Don't, 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 uh, don't uh, respect them, honor them. This is right or wrong, but I said, when you bow down before that altar, you know who you're praying to now. You pray to the one true God, not these Hindu gods that they're trying to push on you, not, not, not these things. You pray to, 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 to the God of the Bible that you placed your faith and trust in. It's a hard thing to be in that position and tell a young man to be obedient through disobedience, but, but that's what it had to come to. That's the point that he had to get at, that, 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 that it had to come to. So what does it mean to rebel at home? This is an interesting statement, an interesting worry. And throughout the years, I've I've had to have talks with young people along those lines. Listen, if if your parents are going to say this, and it doesn't line up with Scripture, unfortunately, we're to obey God rather than men. And and, and if if your job's going to tell you to do this, then we need to obey God rather than men. If the the government's going to tell us to do this, then we need to obey God rather than men. To oppose or disobey one authority and control. Unfortunately, sometimes Satan is good and he's crafty. And he throws out these lures and he, he gets into our homes. Those of us that are Christians, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince and power of the air and the spirit that is now in you, worketh in the son of disobedience. And sometimes 
Satan gets in. He uses mothers. He uses fathers. He uses children. He uses grandparents to sometimes steer other people in the home away from the things of God. And we have to stand up and be obedient in disobedience. And that's difficult. When mom and dad are telling us to do one thing, but it goes against the word of God. When, 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 our, when our children are, are kind of pressing their, their, their hand in their way and we're, we're trying not to give in to the things of the world and, and, and things of Satan and, and be obedient to these things, it's, it's difficult. But we have to stand up and rebel at home, rebel against this culture, rebel against the world. And so that brings us to number two, be a rebel in the world. Be a rebel in the world. Be a rebel at home. Be a rebel in the world. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 40 again, and they agreed with them, and they, they called the apostles, and they beat them, and they commanded them, and what they do? They, they departed, they went out rejoicing, and they preached Jesus Christ in the world. Another scripture in Acts says they went everywhere preaching the word. Jesus was a rebel who came and spoke truth, no matter how difficult the situation. No matter how difficult, he spoke truth. And unfortunately, not everyone we speak to is going to get it. I wish it was that way. I wish everyone I spoke to and shared the gospel with, they're like, yeah, I want that right now. Let's go. I'm ready. What do I need to do? It happens that way sometimes, but not very often. And so therefore, there are going to be difficult circumstances, difficult situations that we get put in. But again, looking to Jesus in Matthew chapter 23, he then said Jesus to the crowds and to the disciples, these scribes and these Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat and so do they observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens and hard, that are hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their, with their finger. They do all the deeds that, to be seen of others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their, their fringes long. They, they love the places of honor at the feast and the best seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. But they are not to be called rabbi, for there is one teacher, and, uh, and you are all brothers, but to, to, and call no man your father on earth, for your father who is in heaven, and neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, and that is Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes, and you Pharisees, and you hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in the faces of people, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would go uh, who would enter to go in woe to you scribes and pharisees you hypocrites for you travel across sea and the land and uh, to make a single proselyte and when uh, you becomes a proselyte you make him twice as much the son of hell as yourselves woe to you blind guides who say if anyone swears by the temple it is nothing but if anyone swears by the gold of the temple he is bound by oath you blind fools for which is greater the gold of the temple 
or, the, or, the, or that has been made the gold of sacrifice. And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is in the altar, he is bound by the oath, you blind men, for which is greater the gift of the altar that makes the gift of the sacrifice. And so whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven and swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have not neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the other. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside there are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. And so you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you are blind and you build tombs of, uh, of prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteousness, saying if they had lived in the days of the fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood and the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then and measure your fa- fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you the prophets and the wise and the scribes, some of whom you will kill and you will crucify, some of whom you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that you may come with all righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of the righteous of a- righteousness of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you have murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, All these things will come upon this generation. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, that stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gather her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Man, could you imagine? Could you even imagine for a moment what it would be like today if Jesus was here walking on earth? How quickly they would accuse him all over again. How quickly they would have an unlawful trial all over again. How quickly there would be people in the streets shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Do you imagine the people standing up, shouting from their social media, insurrection, insurrectionist. Get rid of this man, erase him. What if Jesus were to walk the streets of Jerusalem today? Think about those times he cleansed the temple. If he were to walk up to that temple mount today, see that dome of the rock sitting up there, oh man. 
What kind of unleashing would he have? What hard truths would he be declaring if he were to stroll up to these leaders in communist China? What, 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 what hard truths would he be proclaiming? Man, could you imagine? If he came to America, if he came to our hometown, and began preaching the truth, declaring this love for people, this love for others. This might hit it close to home in light of recent events, but could you imagine if he were to walk the halls there at Capitol Hill? If he were to able to stand before a joint session of Congress, could you imagine what he would say today to these leaders? The question for us is what if we have opportunity? Are we going to be a rebel in this world? Are we going to be countercultural like Jesus was countercultural? Would we have the boldness that we've seen from Peter and John and James and Thaddeus and Matthew and all these other apostles and, of course, Jesus? Would we have the boldness like them? Would we rebel for the gospel's sake? Would we be a rebel for truth? I hope and pray that if I ever have an opportunity to stand before these leaders, that I would stand up with love and grace and mercy and maybe utter some words like Jesus uttered here. Maybe something like this. Woe to you, you egotistical hypocrites. You are full of greed and self-indulgence. Everything you do is for appearance and pompous grandstand before the TV cameras. You demand the place of honor and the banquets and the most important seats wherever you go. You love to be greeted in your districts and have everyone call you senator and congressman. On the outside, you, pe- you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You say you want to clean up Washington, but as soon as you get there, you become twice as much the son of hell as the one you replaced. Woe to you makers of the law, you hypocrites. You do not practice what you preach. You put heavy burdens and, 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 and mandates on your citizens while you opt out of your own laws. Woe to you federal fools. You take an oath to support and defend the Constitution, but then you nullify the Constitution by allowing judges to make up their own laws. Woe to you blind hypocrites. You you say that if you had lived in the days of our founding fathers, you would never have taken part of with them in slavery. You say you would have never agreed that slaves are the property of their masters, but you, have ins- you would have insisted that they were human beings with unalienable rights. But you testify against yourselves because today you say that unborn children are the property of their mothers and they have no rights at all. Upon you will come all the righteous blood of those that have been shed in this country, you snakes, you brood of vipers. You've left this great chamber desolate. How will you escape being condemned to hell? And I just want to share again, I love people. I do love people. Jesus loved people. Listen, I believe there's a time and place to share this as well, and we need to be careful with that. And number three, real quick, be a rebel for truth. 
be a rebel for truth. We've been talking about this all throughout this, but in Acts chapter 5, again, we go back up to verse 38, and, and they said, again, if these works are of men, let them alone. If they're, work of, if they're works of men, then, then it'll come to nothing. But if it's of God, or if it's of truth, you cannot overthrow it. And so therefore, we must go and proclaim this truth that no one can overthrow, that no one can, can replace in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, one of my favorite verses, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's go out and shine this light in this dark place. Let's go out and preach the truth to these people who need the truth. Whether they reject us, whether they hate us, whether they punch us in the face, whether they imprison us, whether they shoot us and kill us, let's go preach the truth of the gospel and let this, let them See, this is all for the glory of our Father who is in heaven. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24, And the Lord's servant must be not quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of truth. We go to them with truth so that they might repent and turn to truth. We be a rebel for truth so that they might understand that truth. In verse 26, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. Sometimes we get so upset that people are coming against us when they're just doing what sinners do. They're just, they're, just, they're just going along with what the world is going along with. They're just, they're just, they're, they, they don't know the truth, and therefore we must preach the truth that they might come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. If we love God, we love people. If we love God, we love his truth. And like I said in the beginning, this love of God will put us at odds against the world, but this truth, this truth we proclaim from God's word will also put us at odds against the world, but we can't stop. We got to keep going. We got to keep handing them these. We got to keep preaching and teaching the truth of God. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray something's going on in our home and maybe Satan's got a, a, a hold of us. Maybe, maybe it's even something simple, God. Maybe it's it's some sort of media that we've got into, and it's, it's drawing us away. It's just something that's, that's, that's got our attention over God, something that's, that's taken our, our love away from you, God. I, I pray that, that we would make that right. And, and God, if it's, if it's a, a, a spouse that unfortunately will rebel against our spouse until they come to their senses, if it's a, if it's a child in here, a teen that's in here, and their, their parents are wanting them to do something that's against the word of God, that they rebel against their parents for a little while until their parents see the truth, come to their senses in the truth. God, I pray that we would rebel in this world. It's, it's constantly coming against us. And as I said earlier, we're a peculiar people. As we read in 1 John, God, we're, we're not to be of this world. Help us to rebel against this, this world constantly trying to push its junk down our throats and in our ears and in our eyes and eventually it infiltrates our heart. God, help us to, to, to just shine this light in this mess and this darkness. 
God, help us to be a, a rebel for the truth. God, and the truth is, this truth is going to incite insurrection sometimes. We see it in your word. We see it with Jesus. We see it with the apostles. And, and we see it in other parts of the world with people that are just standing up for what's right and living for you every single day. And therefore, they're insurrectionists. And God, as much as I'm tired of that world and uh, that word, and, and uh, as Tony mentioned earlier, maybe you don't want to be labeled that word, uh, I might just be that. We might just be that. And so God, help us to go proclaim your truth, to share your word. God, if we're not where we're supposed to be in these areas, I pray this morning that we'd be asking for forgiveness and be praying that we'd give our all for you. Lord, we love you, and we just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand with us this morning as Tony plays, you can pray there in your seat or come down to this altar.